welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and I am happy to be with you. I am happy to be uh, uh, here with episode 137. Proud to be a member of the Education Podcast Network. Check out all their great podcasts they got going on uh, with Chris Nessie on his site. Uh, certainly my friends at Voice Ed Radio Canada, Stephen Hurley and his group. Happy to be on there as well. We're live on Facebook and we are headed to iTunes and everywhere else we can. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining us. It is episode 137. A shout out to today's sponsor, uh, Havsies Cookies. I've been talking about them for a, a while now. Uh, a number of people have been ordering them uh, using the discount code Murata15. And the word is out that Havsies Cookies are on fire. They're good stuff. David Maffi and his wife uh, used to be in education, and now he's full-time doing this because he's an amazing business. He's doing good things. So check them out. Havsies Cookies, uh, Company.com and use that discount code Murata15. You will get yourself a 15% discount. Hello, everybody. Uh, and again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we are going to meet today's guest in a few minutes. He is Corey Frank. He is a captain uh, from United Airlines. Uh, he is an author. He is a parent uh, and has become a friend of mine through my good friend, Ted Dabney, uh, here up in Milford, Pennsylvania. Corey is the author of Three Feet to the Left, a, cap a new captain's journey from pursuit to perspective. Uh, he is, I don't know if he still is, he was the youngest captain uh, in United. And uh, what a great feat that is. And we're going to ask him about that. Uh, but we're going to meet Corey here in a moment. Uh, I've flown a, a fair share of my, my time and uh, always been intrigued by that. I scheduled Corey for this week because if you are involved in education, you have probably had it up to here with talking about COVID and Corona and, and uh, all the things that are going into schools. So I knew I wanted a break from talking about that. And, and I wanted to talk about a different aspect of leadership uh, so we're going to meet Corey. If you are watching live, there's a number of you are, please leave a question or comment uh, for Corey or I, and we'd love to connect live during the show. That's part of the cool aspect of this. But the opening segment is called, this is your captain speaking, right? They have all those announcements on the plane and other people talking and the flight attendant and this person and that person. But then when the captain gets on, like, you, you know, he's got your attention or she's got your attention. And I always liked hearing from the captain, right? Even when I was a little kid and they, you know, they gave you the little plane or whatever they used to do to make. Are we back? Yeah, we are back. Sorry, everybody. Let's refresh this. Mm -hmm. Corey, I think I'm having some Wi-Fi problems here. Uh, that's not good.
we're going to refresh this. All right. Are we back? I think we're back. And I apologize for that. Uh, I got some new Wi-Fi here in the house, uh, but we are back. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, yeah, we got to get that squared away. My fault. Uh, but I was talking about the captain's voice, right? And when the captain comes on, male or female, always got my attention. And they always sounded so calm, cool, and collected, right? They never got on there frantic, like, hey, this is the captain, right? But they always, you know, just to me, right, sounded in control, knew very direct what they were saying, things like that. So a few notes that I wrote down about, again, hearing the captain's voice, their presence, right, how they made you feel when they talked, just their, their presence there, the tone of their voice, right? Some people were very dry. This is the captain, you know, other people kind of got you up, uplifted about the flight. Uh, if they needed you to hustle a little bit, getting on the plane, they, they made that thing about an on-time departure. The specific words they use, right? Uh, very respectful towards the, uh, the, the people on the plane there. Um, but no ums, no ahs, no, no, you know, jumbling the words. They very direct. Um, and then I like when they used humor. Right. When they, they get all those people to laugh, uh, I enjoyed that. I also enjoy when they come on there and say, hey, on the right side of the plane, you will see the blah, blah, blah. And they kind of tell you where you are and what's happening. I always enjoy when people do that. Do Sometimes they do it and sometimes they don't. I, I'm going to ask Corey why, why they do that and if he did that. Um, but I always enjoyed hearing from the captain, right, a person who's in charge. And uh, so just some thoughts about the captain's voice. And we're going to ask Corey about that. Let's bring him in uh, to the program now. We're going to get him queued up and uh, bring Corey Frank here on to the program. And here he is. Corey, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. How you doing? It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, really excited to talk to you. And again, uh, welcome. Corey is the author of Three Feet to the Left, uh, a memoir and his story about becoming Corey, am I right? You are, are you still the youngest captain in the United or you were the youngest captain in the United? I'm not anymore. I was at uh, at the time that the book took place and for about a period of about two years, uh, which is purely a function of luck and timing to a lot of to a large extent. Yeah. Well, again, welcome. What did you think about that, Corey? Did you ever think about your voice coming over? This is the captain speaking. And do you intentionally put some extra presence in there, some extra firmness, tone, mustard, if you will, uh, as you say in your book. The, yeah, I mean, I think as a captain, I, my goal when I use the PA microphone is to try to reassure people that they're in good hands, that we, we know what's going on and we're looking out for their interests and uh, trying to put people at ease. Because I figure, you know, on any given flight, we've got people who are seasoned veterans of uh, that travel all the time, whether that's for business or for pleasure. But we've also got a lot of people who uh, may be on their first flight or they're nervous travelers. And so I always try to make sure that 
Uh, I'm providing enough information that gives them clarity and gives them uh, a complete picture of what's going on, but not so, so you know, the, to use the right words and be careful with the words they use so that it's comforting and uh, people feel at ease. Awesome. And Corey, let's, let's get started with uh, the book. What, what was your inspiration here uh, in writing this? What made you get going with this? And it's a beautiful cover. Uh, and it's a, it's a read. It's not, you know, it's not just a little pamphlet. You've got a great story here. What, what inspired you to do it? Uh, well, it really started out with the advice of some captains that I had flown with and who had told me, you know, you should keep a journal of your first year because you won't believe what happens to you. And sure enough, uh, I kept a journal and couldn't believe what happened to me, but not necessarily for the reasons that uh, you may uh, you may think. It really it struck me more about the leadership elements of what it took to be a new a new leader who steps into a role um, where you're in charge. You're uh, especially in my situation as being the at the time the youngest at United. Not not ever necessarily, but uh, just at that at that point in time was you know I knew that every time I came to work, a lot of times I'd be flying with people that were older than me, perhaps even had more experience than me, worked for different companies, came from the military, what have you. And that leadership journey of how do you engage these people? How do you bring them in? How do you um, really incorporate them into your team? Because at the end of the day, you're still a captain. You're responsible for everything that happens on that plane, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, I I wanted to make sure I got that right. And as you know, uh, from your leadership as a as a principal, it, there, there's a learning curve there. Yeah. So tell me, what were some of those leadership lessons, Corey? What were some of those highlights, even from past your first year, that you carry with you now as you continue to grow in that role? Yeah. Well, I'd say, you know, that there were a lot of them had a lot of them had to do with the, the how how a leader prepares and. Um, how the, how it's really subtle interpersonal type of skills uh, that the way you ask questions, the specific words you can use at times uh, that can make a huge impact one way or the other as to how you're um, how, how you're engaging the, the the colleagues or are you going to build a wall? Because you know we, in the airlines we talk a lot about CRM, that's crew resource management. And so for us, we want to make sure that we are uh, a a really cohesive functioning team and little things can really get in the way of that if you're not careful. So what, what I tried to do and what, uh, what I learned and what I tried to portray in the book is I tried to bring the readers along with me on that journey as, as I made a lot of these aha moments or, you know, brought my own experience with me, of course, but as I brought that into the cockpit and, and would learn you know, subtle, subtle nuances. Uh, I really think that was one of the biggest, the biggest pieces here, you know, how leaders set the tone and how um, you communicate between the, the crew members, how first impressions really make a difference, how, how you make sure that even though you're the leader doesn't, and you're responsible for every decision, that doesn't mean that you have to make every decision. And, and Corey, I was surprised. Again, our friend Ted Dabney is also a captain with United, and, and you, you know, you got to know. Him. How often do you fly with the same person, right? Are you constantly building a, a new rapport, meeting somebody different every time you fly? Do they do they try to pair teams up together? That there is some 
built-in rapport already? Well, I think that's one of the hardest parts for us is like in, for example, at, at United, um, in my base in Newark, there's, you know, roughly 400 737 captains and 4737 first officers, at, le at least prior to the pandemic, that was the case. Um, and so every single time that you show up to work, you're generally uh, meeting someone new. Uh, maybe you get to fly with somebody twice, but the number of people that I've flown with more than twice, I mean, it's a very, very small uh, handful of people at that point. So there's a lot of things the airlines will do, obviously, from procedures and standardization, things like that. But then again comes to where you as a leader, you don't have time, a huge amount of time to make a good first impression. You don't have a lot of time to build rapport. So you really have to focus on how to do that well in a very short period of time, which to me, again, goes to some of those really subtle nuances uh, about, about first impressions, about how you, uh, like in my keynotes that I do for corporations and such, we talk a lot about the difference between positional authority and relational authority. Positional authority being like, I, yeah, you can see I'm a captain because I have four bars uh, on my shoulders that I have special wings and I have uh, what we call them scrambled eggs on the, on the brim of our hat. Uh, so everybody knows that I'm the captain when I walk through the terminal, or at least, you know, for my particular flight. But there's a lot more power to be used when you use relational authority where the people around you want to, to follow your lead or want to, you know, uh, do the things that you're asking them to do. So uh, how you set that up to your advantage is one of the big things that I, I like to talk about in my keynotes. Yeah. And that's a great point. I love listening positional authority and relationship relational authority. So Corey, in your opinion, what would be some of those techniques that you can do to strengthen those relationships and that relational authority? Yeah. Well, let me give you the example of, uh, for example, flight attendants. And, um, you know, we, so we meet, and one of the first things you're going to do is have a, uh, a briefing with the crew, explain the, how long the flight time is going to be, any weather or expected turbulence, things like that, that might be of interest to them, as well as a, a few other odds and ends. And one of the things that I like to do is, um, for example, I, I'm very cognizant of my physical presence when I'm doing that. A lot of times it takes place in first class. They're sitting down. So I have a choice, you know, I could stand in front of them and I could tower over them looking down on the crew, or I could remove my jacket, I could remove my hat, I can sit down on the armrest, I can take up a much more casual demeanor and actually meet them uh, on a physical level of where, you know, where they are, asking questions, uh, things that are uh, just, you know, to break the ice, whatnot, it shows that I'm interested in, in them, you know, where they're going, what they, you know, big plans for the layover, whatever, something, anything to build a little bit of rapport. And I recognize, I mean, most people in our profession do that. A lot of it is surface level at, uh, when you're just meeting people. But, you know, if I were to come in, for example, and say if the first thing that I asked was about, you know, where are my crew meals or something like that. It puts the onus on the emphasis on me. It's not about us as a team, what they need, what I can do for them as a leader. It's all, it, it would totally flip flop the dynamic around. So I, I think some of those, those pieces can become really key pieces. 
And that's great to hear, you know, I mean, so much about schools and you, you've mentioned about similar aspects of our jobs and our roles. But I would think most people, Corey, think it's more of just the, the job. You get in the seat and to, to fly the plane, you shut the door and, and to make sure you get from point A to point B. But it sounds like it's much more. It sounds like building those relationships and earning the trust of those people being in a, in a dangerous situation, let's say. We're, you're in the air where so many things can go wrong. Uh, it's awesome to hear that that's such an important part of your work. Well, I, I remember when I was reading your book and you talked about making sure you take care of all the little pieces, for example, and, uh, and that, that you, you address those, those little details and you don't let things slide. And I think, um, you know, accidents, for example, are um, oftentimes the end result of a chain of events that take place. And when the, uh, the investigative team would sit down uh, and they pull all that data together, they'll backtrack all the way to the very beginning and they start to look for little tiny mistakes that the crews made. Did they cut corners here or there? And they, they would call those, you know, uh, patterns of deviance or normalization, normalization of deviance, where it, you as the leader are accepting like that some of these smaller things that you may not think matter much, they ultimately transpire down the road that, hey, they actually do make a big difference and um, they set the stage for why you made mistakes at, at, other, at other times. So to me, I think a lot of that comes down to how, ensuring that we're, we're maintaining a high standard, that we, we, are, we are not letting ourselves fall subject to some of those traps and that we are addressing little things positively by setting the stage positively so that people understand expectations and that they, that you as the leader, like uh, one captain years ago, he, he told me that captains, uh, they're like the conductor uh, of an orchestra, like that your job is not, and much the same as a principal, you're not, your job is not to teach all of the different classes or, or uh, to maintain the buildings or do all these, but you need all of those members on your team uh, as, as you go around. Same thing is totally true for pilots, that uh, as a captain, I need the team, I, uh, and I'm, I need to meld that team together, but I don't necessarily, I can't be the one to do it. So my job is to make sure that as a conductor of the orchestra, that we're, we're creating that the team is working in harmony, that we're making you know, good music together, not that I have to necessarily do each and everything that goes along with the whole flight. Yeah, that's a great point. And we're going off script here, Corey, because I'm, I'm loving the conversation. So tell me, you know, part of my job, right, as a principal, if someone is not taking their job, not doing that role very well, I have to give them some feedback. I have to give them some redirection. So how does that conversation work? Does it happen in the middle of the flight? Are you calling somebody into the, the cockpit there with you? How, how, do you? how are you giving that feedback to, to improve maybe some of those behaviors that if you feel need to be improved in that moment? Or can it wait till again when the flight lands? Well, I mean, there's, there's certain things that, again, we and each business is different and, and has some of the same elements where, you know, for example, we have standard operating procedures. So everyone understands that, you know, A, B, C, and D are supposed to take place. Uh, and so if people start to not follow the standard operating procedures, 
then that's an element where as the captain you can provide a little course correction. And I think that if you, again, to your point about mind in the details, if you sort of make those points early on on things that don't matter, you rarely have to get to the point where you have to make this giant course correction uh, because somebody uh, is, is way off the reservation, let's say. Um, so I also think that there's some, you, you as a leader need to be can have some framework of context for where are we, when is the best time to have a, uh, a discussion about something? Is it in the heat of the moment or is it perhaps you know, a few minutes later, an hour later, two hours later, and be like, you know, I was thinking about something and would, really would like to, was wondering if, if I could offer you some feedback. Um, things, things, I mean, it's all situated. Obviously, sometimes you don't have, you don't have that choice. Sometimes you have to make a decision to go with it right out of the gate um, and correct things because it's a safety issue, whatever. But a lot of times if it's interpersonal, then there, you can also ask yourself, is this something like, for example, uh, one of the, in my keynotes, uh, one of the, the situations I like to put the uh, attendees in has to do with a thunderstorm. And, uh, and basically, which direction are you going to go around the thunderstorm? Are you going to go to the left or the right? Well, the problem is you're not, we, we designate people as the pilot flying or the pilot monitoring. So if you're, um, it, if you're the monitoring pilot, typically you talk to air traffic control, you handle some of those elements and the other pilot, we alternate back and forth so that both crew members stay you know, current with their flying skills. Anyway, so I, I like to put people in a situation where, you, okay, you're the captain and you want to basically, let's say, go left around the thunderstorm and your first officer says that uh, he or she wants to go right. Um, what are you going to do? And well, I like to walk people through the scenario. Like you as the captain, you have the positional authority to clearly come in and say, no, we're going to, uh, we're going to go to the left, but there's going to be consequence to that, right? Because now are you empowering this person? Do they feel like they have ownership in the flight or do they feel like, well, this captain is just going to step on, uh, on my decisions. He, he, he or she may as well just go ahead and fly because what does it matter what I really think? Uh, I like to think of it as, okay, well, what is the big picture? You as the captain or the principal in your case, like you're responsible for this big picture view. So how much fuel does it have? Yeah, maybe it adds a couple minutes to the flight if we uh, go the direction that I, uh, you don't think we should go, uh, but your colleague thinks that they should, they should go. Uh, what's the implication on fuel? What's the implication on on time? And if all of those things are manageable, then – why, why would you want to make the decision at that point as opposed to getting past the threat, getting past that point of conflict, potential conflict, and then have the discussion of, hey, can you, can you help me to understand why you wanted to go right back there? Uh, and listen, because perhaps your colleague uh, could teach you something. Maybe they saw a threat that you didn't see. Uh, or perhaps it's an opportunity to then have a coaching or mentoring session about, how you saw things different or, uh, you know, coming to, to some kind of kind of terms there. I think a lot of times leaders try to step in too soon, that I try to wait to the very last, as late as possible, as reasonably possible, prudent, um, because the later that I am able to, to do that, the more opportunity I give the, the, the person with me either 
the chance to teach me something or the chance to learn something uh, for themselves and to have you're still showing like mutual respect between your colleagues you're not trying to to come in right away and say well by god i'm the captain so this is what we're going to do great points corey and it, and it is refreshing to to hear that that your mindset about always learning listening to someone else's opinion uh certainly one of the seven habits that i've been working on uh, seeking to understand uh, before being understood. Uh, again, there's a number of people watching uh, live. Please leave us a question or a comment. Uh, again, this is Corey Frank. Uh, he's an author. He's a father. He's a captain. And and Corey, tell me a little bit about this this speaking, right? Uh, and the, and the, you mentioned about the keynotes. Is is that something that you enjoy doing as a as a leader yourself? I really do. It's been a lot of fun. I've had the opportunity to speak at a number of corporate conferences. Uh, uh, community events, of course, but also uh, aboard celebrity cruises, uh, actually, which was pretty uh, interesting. You know, people are so fascinated with aviation, and what I love is the ability to translate things that are unique for our industry and show them that they they fit all different types of, of industries. And when you get people thinking, I mean, particularly this one keynote that I do is called uh, taking uh, taking command. How to sort of success by embracing your captain's mindset, and that whole program, uh, I swear them in as honorary captains, and then we go, we talk about the role of the captain, and then we go for a flight together where we we evaluate um, depending on time, anywhere from three to five different scenarios, and those scenarios, um, you know, it, it creates like experiential learning that it puts them outside of their normal day to day. Uh, mindset, and we leave each one of those with uh, some takeaway that is aviation-based, but that we then relate to how it can fit to, to literally any any type of uh, any type of field whatsoever. That's cool, and and certainly your your message of leadership and caring about others is a great one, uh, and, and I'm sure you learned some of these from some of your mentors in your life. You know, you talk a lot about your parents, uh, specifically your father. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, that relationship and your, you know, what you learned from your dad and, and you talk about your mom, medical technologist. My mom's watching now. She was a medical technologist as well. So there's another thing we have in common. Yeah. So both of my parents, what's cool is the, uh, that they have been, they've totally reinvented themselves numbers, a number of times. And my mom was, started as a medical technologist, became an environmentalist at a local army depot and later went to law school uh, after or got her MBA and, and went to law school. So she's, she's constantly reinvented herself. And my dad is obviously, is definitely the same way where he spent 20 years as a nurse anesthetist um, prior to becoming a certified financial planner. And now he runs, the investment planning division for Big Credit Union in North Carolina. And I think what has been really cool, both them and, and their parents uh, in many ways, is that my family, you know, uh, we never had this like limiting belief of, well, you can only do so much. It's uh, our family. It's like, well, you, you can do basically whatever you want. I mean, not maybe everything that you want. I'm not going to be a pro athlete or anything like that, but um they, they say you can you never have to be fixed. It can always change. And I think that's a really uh, powerful message, especially for a young person to hear. It's like even if, if you've spent 15, 20 years in a career and you're unhappy, like why would you want to keep being unhappy? Like go do what you want. Maybe it, it means that you have to take a cut in income or something like that. But 
uh, anything is possible, and it's if are you willing to do it? You know, with my father, um, I think one of one of the things that really has struck me is he holds very he will go to bat for you no matter what uh, if you're hardworking, if you're honest, and uh, with him. And he, he just because he believes everybody can can do a lot of things, really cool things with their life. Then he holds high expectations for them and wants to make sure that they are living up to those expectations. So uh, he's 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 been really good at uh, being supportive and also like uh, uh, keeping me keeping me going um, when when I'd start to drift off a little bit here and there, just like. You know, any parent would. Nice. Beautiful to hear about that. And uh, Gordon Bethune, the former CEO of United, was somebody who influenced you as well. What were some leadership points that, that you took away from that relationship? Well, you know, Gordon, I, I was an intern at Continental Airlines when Gordon was uh, was CEO, but I didn't, you know, get to obviously know him very well. He, um, he did write a book though. It's called from worst to first. And it's a, it's a really great read, but what's so cool about Gordon is like, uh, he focused on people. And I think we sometimes forget as leaders that, uh, it really, it's really not about you as the leader. It's about everybody else. And if you give them the tools to do what they need to do, uh, and you, you cut through the red tape for them and you get, and get out of the way, then really great things can happen. So continental had their backs to the wall in the early nineties and Gordon came in, uh, and really transformed the entire culture, uh, to one of like trust and respect. And, um, it really unleashed a very positive time frame for, for that airline. And, you know, he showed up, he went through bags on the ramp and he talked to the gate agents and he was like, just like you've written about in your book with showing up in different areas of the school. Like that's what a leader has to do. And they leaders, uh, I mean, I guess they don't have to do that, but to me, it's the much more effective way uh, to be a leader. Well, it's an honor for me, Corey, that you read uh, my book and are working the leadership points in there into the different aspects of life. And uh, I could tell you mentioned about preparation and you could tell just you being here today, you've done that. Uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, Corey, when I, when I refereed, they used to talk about, is it an art or is it a science, right? If, if this happens, a foul, it's a foul, right? And if this happens, it's a violation. Take the art out of it, right? It, 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 it's a science. A happens, you got to do B. So my question is, is flying more of a science or more of an art? Or where's the balance in there? That's a great question. I mean, clearly, there's a lot of science to flying airplanes. There's a, a lot of, um, you know, you, you need to do certain things certain ways. Um, the procedures and all of all of those kind of things are very much you know black and white. The there is a huge amount of art to it, though I think as well, especially when you watch someone who, uh, let's say, it's a really gusty landing or uh, something like that, and you watch them work in the controls, and you can tell, you know, who who really feels. Like they're not one with the with the airplane, but pretty much um, where you start to anticipate you, you're so comfortable with the airplane. It's so smooth and um, you can anticipate the changes and um, you can. It's it's really neat to watch somebody like that uh, fly the airplane. 
Uh, and then there's people that are much more mechanical and they get the job done. Everybody gets the job done within the limits. It's just, you know, I, I like some of the, uh, the artistry of it as well. Well, and, and again, it leads to one of my favorite movies. And I don't know if pilots like talking about flying movies, but you know, Tom Hanks and, and the miracle on the Hudson and, and that story and, the, and his name's escaping me. Uh, Sully. Sully. Yeah, there you go. You know, and that story of, of how he did that and what he trusted his God. And, and, and that showed a lot of art and confidence in that setting. You know, is, is that a movie that, that, that you were like, oh, my God, it's a great story? What, what was your thoughts on the movie? You know, a lot of aviation movies, uh, when you're when – you're, anytime Hollywood – I'm sure the education movies are the same way for you or, or especially uh, the sports movies with your experience as a referee, like some yeah. of the – way that they portray thing. Anytime you're really close to something, yeah, you start to go, well, they didn't do this right or they didn't do that right. I actually thought that Sully was on, was one of the better aviation movies that's out there. Uh, I thought they did a great job of bringing you into the cockpit, which is really what I tried to do with my book too, uh, and making it relatable. Like it was technical enough that it felt real, and but not so technical that it, it flew over your head. So you've heard... Sully, you know, Tom Hanks portraying Sully and going through the different checklists and um, all of those kind of things. And uh, I think that added a lot of, you know, it was an actual Airbus cockpit. I, that's always a rub to me when they make these fake cockpits that look bogus. <laughs> but uh, so some of it, I'm sure, you know, obviously was dramatized. Uh, but I, I thought that actually was was really good and insightful into what we do. You, know, you, you mentioned it. I'm trying to think um, where it was in your book that you talked about, like um, the, the the how people, you know, they're going to be able to look back and they can criticize, you know, decision. Oh, I think it was your one of them was your um, you told a story about a fire drill, if I or not uh, the, the that happened. Yeah, the mustard. So, yeah, in the winter time, and you made it a command decision. Uh, in the moment, you thought that it was best to do X over Y, and I won't spoil it for your uh, for the people who read the book. Uh, and then you know, as a captain, I mean, the the, the uh, discomforting, the uncomfortable part is that you know that they're going to look back at you and they're going to question everything you did, and that's just part of the nature of being a, a leader. Uh, but you always have that right as a, a leader to or at least as a captain, to use your command authority, your emergency authority, and do what you need to do to, to address the situation. Sully thought did a real good job of, like, this was split-second decisions, right? And most of the time, if the, with this great aviation analogy is never let your, an airplane take you somewhere that your mind hasn't been five minutes beforehand. Mm. Um, be, be, the point being thinking ahead. You don't have time to be thinking in the moment of, like, oh, well, what should I be doing? So you, you're, Sully was faced with a very difficult situation. He made some decisions. They turned out well. But, of course, they're good. people are going to question that. Uh, for, they're gonna, and you're going to be the subject of investigations. And then those people are going to be making these decisions, looking at how you made this decision. They're going to have all the time in the world to do it. But you have a very short period of time. And that fire drill uh, when that fire alarm went off, you had to make a choice. And we could sit around and we could talk about whether that was the right choice, the wrong choice, but you had to make a choice. And there was probably going to be criticism no matter what. So you use your knowledge, you use your experience, you make the choice, 
and then you move on. Awesome points. Again, you know, the stories. I love what you said there. Say that again about the uh, a pilot should never, you know, oh, five minutes ahead. Yeah, they should never let an airplane take them somewhere their mind hasn't been five minutes beforehand. I love it. That is an awesome quote. Um, you know, Corey, the, the, the aviation, I don't have to tell you, but that your industry has been deeply impacted by what is happening in our country uh, with the coronavirus and the closures and uh, people's fears. You know, where would you say now? Are we starting to rebound? Are people feeling more comfortable? You know, where would you say your industry is at now? And like, when can you get back to work like it was? I, I tell you what, I, I wish I could be the one to tell you that. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't flown. Uh, it's crazy to say this, but it's, I think it was the 17th of March. The that was the last time that I flew um, and because it's of coronavirus. And then I after you know, we have to maintain currency. So after a certain amount of time, I lost my currency. So now I have to go back to training and I'm just waiting um, until they determine whether I'm going to get trained again on the 737 or some other airplane. So um, this is definitely this is definitely a big uh, a big challenge for our industry. But I'd also say you know there's a lot of opportunity in this moment too. That done correctly, crises bring people together. They allow people to think outside the box and explore. I mean, think about Zoom for example. You know, People, your industry is using some of those telecommuting tech, technologies like that we've never, the teleconferencing technologies, like that would they have ever been widely adapted beforehand? But now people are forced to, to try and, and evolve and adapt into some of these uh, new technologies. Some of that is going to stick, some of it's not. But people are, because they're being forced out of their comfort zone, they're being forced to get creative. When the dust settles, and people love to travel, business needs to travel. Maybe some business travel gets uh, gets to just take place via Zoom, but you still you got to be in person to build relationships. You know, if you're gonna go to a ball game or you're gonna have a dinner with somebody, uh, you can't. It just you can't do that via um, over the web. So I think that the airlines are going to change. They're going to evolve. It's a rough season, no doubt. But if I was starting out, this is perhaps uh, one of the best seasons for a new pilot because they don't need the jobs to be there today. They need the jobs to be there uh, five or ten years from now. Mm -hmm. uh, and the industry just hit a giant pause button. So um, my heart really goes out to all of the employees. Uh, we're all feeling this in some form or fashion, but a lot of airline employees are probably going to end up uh, being furloughed uh, and they're going to have to make some really – big adjustments to their families i'm hoping that that in some somehow some way there's opportunities that come from this season even for them as individuals yeah well we wish you the best uh corey and and i hope you get back to flying soon and i know they've made a lot of improvements in terms of the air quality and uh that kind of stuff yeah, it's probably one of the cleanest times you'd ever be on an airplane <laughs> Well, we, I hope to get you back on there soon. And, uh, Corey, you shared a lot of leadership today. We're going to have to start taking this flight to our uh, descent for landing uh, before we get to rapid fire. Was there anything else, you know, you wanted to share? There's a ton of leadership tips in here and a ton of great stories. Again, this is Corey's book here, and uh, I got to finish it like you finished mine. I, I haven't done the whole thing, but uh, anything else you want to share from it? 
Um, I'm, I'm actually looking at what I had pointed out from you, from yours, and you, because you had a lot of, of really good. Yeah, I think we talked about a lot of these. Um, you know, I think, I think the only thing I would I would take from a, overall is that you know this really is it is a journey, and then we all kind of evolve through our experiences, and everything is teaching us one way or the other uh, something along the way. So as as your listeners are going through the challenges that they're facing with COVID, as pilots who may be watching or educators, uh, be looking at you know what is the potential that how is this building for you? Because it can build. It will build positively in your life too. Um, and somehow if we can embrace the mindset of that this is a journey and that these moments are building us towards something, I think we all would would uh, would do well. Well said, Captain. Let's get to rapid fire. We're going to uh, take out the landing gear and bring us home. Uh, we have the uh, airport in, the, in, the, in our sights here. So Rapid fire. These are quick answers, Corey. Um, you know, you mentioned my book a lot, and, and if it's not, it's okay. But what was the last book you read? Well, I did read yours, but I also just finished last night Dan Brown's Inferno, mm. the last uh, last book that I read. Excellent, excellent story there. How about movies? Last movie you saw? Uh, my wife and I watched Hamilton on uh, Disney Plus. Not really a movie, but that just sort of. Yeah, cats. It was. Did your daughter watch it? I know she's watching. Want to give yeah. a shout out to your daughter? At least parts of it. How old is your daughter? She's uh, four and a half. Four and a half and a quarter, she would say. Regan. Reagan. Yeah. Reagan. Sorry. Okay. Well, hi, Reagan. And your dad did a great job today. And uh, we watched Hamilton a second time because we had to process it. It was going so fast, but uh, we loved that awesome. too. Yeah. Uh, Corey, you've been all over the place. You know, where's your favorite place to travel? Um, well, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for Chicago, uh, having lived there for several years. So that's always – I always enjoy getting able – being able to pass through there. Um, anywhere in the mountainous west, uh, American west, I love going over there. Internationally, it's hard to beat in my, hand, uh, in my book uh, either London or Berlin. Um, they're both just they're so rich with history and uh, interesting aspects of their cultures. And so I uh, really enjoy those those locations. Are you in love with the Chicago deep dish pizza? I, I do like deep dish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was blown away. I'm a New Yorker. And I, you know, the thin crust. I, you know, I love New York pizza, but I'm yeah. blown away. I feel like, you know, you don't have to pick one over the other. Like to me, New York pizza is great for like, if you're in my opinion, it's quick. It's all right. I want to get a, I want to get a slice. bite. To eat. Get a slice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chicago deep dish is a, I'm going to go to a restaurant. I'm going to sit there for 40 minutes while it bakes and then en enjoy it. And then probably regret it, you know, an hour. <laughs> Something that motivates Corey Frank. Something that motivates me. Um, I would say inspiring people to do big things. Uh, I love I love seeing light bulbs click on like with these conferences that I've had the chance to do, and to see people realize what that that they can spread their wings and they really can soar uh, if they set their mind to it. Awesome. How about something that gets under your skin? You seem like a, a really professional, respectful man. What's something that bothers you? Well, it's funny that you ask the question the way it is because I would say that. Uh, not getting basic levels of respect is definitely a hot button for me. 
and, and you see that sometimes on planes. People act a fool sometimes. They do. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I've, I have I was reading your book and I thought, well, yeah, you, you don't have to answer every question right then. And telling when you said about asking people to calm down uh, and then I was, man, I should probably try to do that sometimes, too, because you get people in there. They're upset. They're agitated. Um, you need you need to listen. You need to let them feel heard for sure. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes maybe just a little space is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Best thing about flying? By far the views. I mean, you just can't beat a sunset over the mountains or maybe down in the Caribbean. They're both uh, – I miss that tremendously. I'll look up off my back porch. Some of these thunderstorms roll through, and I'm like, they're pretty at sunset here on the ground, but they're just spectacular when you're up uh, airborne. How about the worst thing? Uh, but I would say the unpredictable nature of the schedules uh, and you know, backside of the clock flying and things. It's just the nature of the beast. You're going to work in the middle of the night. Sometimes you're going to be gone over holidays, uh, school, uh, your kids' events, things. It's not a matter of if you're going to miss things. It's what you're going to miss. And, uh, you know, there's elements of that that definitely uh, are, are a drawback. I know Captain Ted is watching, too. He keeps missing the fire pits at my house, Captain. We need you uh, back on there. Corey Frank, it's easy to say, but how often do people misspell your name? Uh, I would say uh, is it's almost every single time. I get a kick out when you're on the phone with somebody and you, you're explaining your name to, like, a, a, a marketer <laughs> or whoever it is, you know, on the other side, and they're – you say, my name's Corey, and then I say, with a K, and then you hear, like, tap, 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 tap as they're hitting the backspace button to go backwards. So. <laughs> I love when the captain comes out and says goodbye. Is that is that a requirement? Do they have to come out and do that, or is that just something that they do in the business? Uh, I don't believe it's a requirement for United. Um For, for me personally, there's nothing more rewarding. Uh, I love standing there and – you get to see every single passenger that has been on your flight. And it really drives home the point of uh, that these people are placing a tremendous amount of trust in, in you. And so that really, that really does drive it home for me seeing that. I, lo- I love watching it, especially the parent. I feel for the parents. I've been there. Uh, I know my wife has been there as we're dragging a tired uh, kid, especially an infant, you got all the gear and everything. I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. Thank God you got us there safe. Yeah. Uh, if you were to become the next CEO of United, you would fill in the blank. Uh, I think, you know, earlier I mentioned about that this is an opportunity um, and that through this crisis, I, I would be focused – I'd be focusing on how can we bring people together despite the challenges? How can we think outside the box and innovate so that uh, not only do we, do we survive uh, this crisis, but that we can really thrive through the crisis. Nice use of surviving and thriving. Well done. With all this time, not flying, you know, your next book is, do you have something on the hopper uh, court? Yeah. I mean, we'll see how this plays out. Um, Obviously it, if I end up having to go back to uh, first officer, which is quite likely, uh, it, it would make sense to to write three feet back to the right. Uh, <laughs> I actually think there'd be some really good, in many ways, I think that could be an even more compelling book than the first book because, you know, how do you lead when you're not in command? I, I think there's a lot of us that are in that situation, whether you're, you're managing up or managing down. And 
there's different tools and tricks to both of that. So I think that's definitely on my horizon. I'm also looking at a novel that has really not much at all to do with aviation. It has much more to do, uh, loosely based around my grandfather's unpublished manuscripts. So mm. stay tuned for that one. Nice. Cool. Um, best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. Uh, you shared these questions with me ahead of time, and so I'm bringing – it's my journal. I uh, It's cheap. You know, you can get them anywhere, but the – creating the daily habit of of writing every day and uh, the number of times that I've gone back to, well, what did we do on X, Y, or Z day? Um, it's really interesting to think about how your your mindset shifts. My grandmother, she was, uh, she wrote diaries from 1943 to 46 and then again from 1969 to 2007. And so she's left our family with a, a really great historical record. And it's it's interesting, you know, whether anybody in my family would want to read my journals, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's it's interesting just as a, on our own, like to, to when you have to put your thoughts out there and you think through them, it's been just, I found it to be really rewarding. That's beautiful. That is, I'd love for you to learn more about that one day. Something about Corey Frank uh, that people don't know about. Well, you'll like this one. Uh, at, when I was in second grade, I actually taught class one of the days. That this was me getting myself in trouble in a lot of ways because I was chat. I was talk, kept talking in the background, and uh, the teacher said, "If I knew so much, then uh, maybe I should just write a lesson plan and teach the class." So you know, being me, I wrote the <laughs> lesson plan and then presented it to her, and we got it approved. And the next day. I taught the class. I can't remember what we taught uh, or what I taught, but I, I do remember that when I, we got to clocks and reading time, and I, that really threw me for whatever reason. So that was where it all went off the rails for me. I do remember that part. But you know, some of my elementary school friends, they still, they still bring it up. I'm sure it was well prepared is my, uh, is my guess. That's a funny story. Uh, and Corey, you've been a great representation today of leadership, your family, and I, and I know you're not speaking for United, but uh, you know certainly uh, representing uh, your organization. But what would be a message for those that are still afraid to fly? They want to go somewhere, but they're still afraid. You know, what would you say? Uh, I would say that you know this is this is a great time. Uh, the price is right, that's for sure. It's yeah. the cleanest you're ever going to find these planes. And, you know, and I'm just speaking myself personally here, but I, I, the, this whole COVID experience, the one thing that really bugs me with it is that I feel like we've taken a lot of the humanity out of being human. That to me, we, we've got to find a way to stay connected. And um, this world is, is to be lived and experienced in a, in a safe way, of course, but in a, um, there's so much out there and we don't know how much time we all have. So uh, we can't, I don't, I would love to see all of us. And this is again, just me personally, I'd love to see us take more of a, uh, an aspect of like, how can we, even if it has to be socially distant, there's so much of this world that, to experience. It's a true gift for us um, to get out there and see it. And I'd love to see more people doing that. Beautiful. Again, this is Corey Frank. Uh, here's his book here. And uh, Corey, 
I know you're giving some uh, donations from the proceeds here uh, for a period of time uh, there, but can you share that uh, for those that do want to make a donation? I know you have a scholarship as well as uh, uh, another part. So you, can you share that if people did want to make a donation? Yeah, so I'm uh, of the revenues that I get as an author um, uh, from the book sales, then I'm donating um, uh, 10% to the Jason Dahl Scholarship Fund, which is Jason Dahl was the cat, one of the captains on uh, a flight for, uh, on 9-11, and he has established a, a scholarship. And then also to the 10% uh, to the United We Care Employee Relief Fund, uh, where I'm a uh, member of the board of directors uh, for that employee relief fund that helps uh, people uh, in, in need. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have had the experience without United. Uh, so it was, it just seemed like the right thing to do to give, give back a little bit. Awesome. And Corey, what would be the best way if, if people wanted to send you a check, can they do it through your website or is there a way that they can, uh, you know, get something to you? Uh, well, I don't honestly know the, um, Jason Dahl, I think it's Dahl Fund. I don't remember if it's .org or .com, but you can make direct donations to the Dahl Fund. Okay. Um, the United We Care is more of an internal uh, charity, uh, so I'm not sure if there actually is, a, at present, a way for the outsiders to make make donations. Sure, but and what if they wanted to get in touch with you uh, after you know if they're interested in having you speak? Uh, sure. or learn more about flying, what would be the best way someone could get in touch with you? And again, if they wanted to give a donation there, they can get it to you somehow. But sure. uh, in terms of connecting with you on social media or such? Well, my website is coreyfrank.com. That's K-O-R-R-Y-F-R-A-N-K-E.com. Uh, and on Instagram and um, and uh, LinkedIn, I'm at Corey Frank. And then uh, on Facebook, I'm at KMF Leadership. Uh, through there. So, and I obviously respond to messages. My email is Corey at CoreyFrank.com uh, for, for all of that. So yeah, I, I, and this is great too. Like I wouldn't have, um, you know, prior to reading your book, I would have, wouldn't have realized there was so many parallels um, bet between, you know, being a principal and, and being an aviator. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap in a lot of industries, but that's just obviously just one more of them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all about leadership. It's all about relationships. And uh, you did a fantastic job. I got this flight. We're delayed here a few minutes. We went over, but I really, truly enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, uh, me too. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So, again, this is Corey Frank. Check out his book uh, on Amazon and check out his website at CoreyFrank.com. Uh, Corey, thanks so much. I'm going to queue up this music and uh, get us landed here. And uh, I hope you didn't mind my pilot uh, references throughout not the show. Not at all. Not at all. Thank you so much, Andrew. I appreciate it. All right. Let's cue this up here. And uh, we're going to take a bite of Corey. Uh, this is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It was show number 137. Again, thank you to our sponsors here. Have these questions. Uh, check them out. Marana 15 is our discount code. Uh, have a great opening to your schools, everyone. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Corey, thanks so much.